Listen, what an honor and a privilege it is for me. Is this the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior? Yes. Burial and resurrection. I can feel the Lord like nudge at me about certain things now that before I would have just been like, man, you know, but now I, like whenever Ryan talked about baptism, I was like, I, I gotta get baptized. Like I knew it right away and I went straight to him after service and told him. Uh, my brother-in-law Ryan at the time, he had moved away to Charleston with his girlfriend and um, he moved back here a few years later. Um, him and his girlfriend recently broke up and we put him on our domino, I guess, it's been over a year probably. And we had really been praying for him and three months ago, three, four months ago, he called Mike randomly, like out of the blue and was like, hey bro, I just want to let you know I got saved last night and I accepted Jesus in my heart. And Mike was like, where? And he was like, at home. And like, we had no idea that he had been praying and like trying to work things out on his own because he didn't like come to us before that. And so we were very excited. We started talking about baptism. Mike said something to Ryan about it and was like, have you thought about it? And he was like, well, I have been thinking about it. He was like, I just feel like I need to talk to somebody about it. And uh, Ryan Maloney reached out and was like, hey, can we get his contact information? And him and Matt have kind of been talking back and forth. And he went to Matt and was like, I think I want to get baptized on Sunday. I don't know, afterwards, him and I talked about how it was nice to have each other up there and to just do it together and be able, like, I mean, just him hugging me on his way to get baptized was just, it was just awesome for us to have that. Sunday. Really glad to be with you today. This is an all radius Sunday, and today we're celebrating what a great Easter and baptism Sunday. Hey, we do this about 10 times a year. We all get together. We do this for a number of reasons. One, it gives your uh, campus pastor a Sunday off, gives him a minute to rest. It also gives him the week to lead so he can accomplish some other stuff that he needs to get done. Um, we do it so that you hear a variety of voices. I happen to be the old voice at every campus now. I used to be a young voice, now I'm the old voice at every campus. And we do it to hold our six campuses together, which is important to us as we choose to do this as one whole church at Radius. Three times a year we get together. All of our campuses come together. Some of y'all were there at our 19th birthday party in August. Or perhaps you came to Advent in December. If you're brand new, this will be your first opportunity. In May, we do something we call Pray May. And we'll gather on May the 3rd at the Lexington Amphitheater. And we, we, we really get there to finish a day of fasting, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. And spend some time asking the Lord to uh, give us direction going into the future. So put that on your calendar if you haven't already. Let's celebrate just a little bit across all radius. You get to celebrate at your campus regularly. On these Sundays, we like to celebrate together. So all radius Easter, 4,500 
and 21 people attended one of our Easter services. That is freak zone. So celebrate that a little bit. That's us. Last Sunday, our baptism Sunday, as well as the baptisms of 2023. So since, since January 1, 2023, there have been 49 baptisms at one of our Radius churches. Again, I hope that video made you smile. Hopefully it even made you clap the good news of good work that God's doing inside of us and inside of our people. The 4521, I don't know how that number rings to you, but for some of us, we immediately ask crazy questions because that's how we are. Like, how do we rank? Like, are we, are we the biggest church in the Midlands or in the state? So like some of those kind of things go through your mind. Some of y'all that are goal-oriented, remember that we, we put together this vision for these three years, starting at our 18th birthday party that we wanted to multiply times two. So we did U times two. And so I don't, I don't know if you, the Easter of 2021, there was 2,588 people. Two years later, there's 4,521. So you might get excited because you're on the right path toward a goal. I don't know how you view it. Everybody views stuff differently. And really stuff like numbers can just get away from you and they can get to your heart in some really ugly ways. <laughs> the other day, Cheryl was in the house. She's looking out at me in the yard. And when I came into the house, she looked shocked. She's like, wow, you are losing your hair fast. It was, it was, <laughs> it was hilarious because, I mean, it's been going away fairly rapidly for a long time. She just had a different view. She was looking down on me. All of y'all that are taller than me, you know I'm losing my hair fast. But those of y'all are shorter, thank you. I have full head of hair still. It just comes down to your view of what's going on. And 4521 can be really exciting, and we are excited about it. But it, it also, uh, if, it, if we get there the wrong way, can uh, not be good at all. Let me, let me tell you some things that we saw on Easter that really encouraged us. Um, what was really encouraging were the number of stories that we heard among the six campuses of folks that were invited there by a friend, neighbor, or coworker. That's who Radius is. I don't know if you noticed, we did um, virtually no advertising, a little bit of social media, uh, but for the most part, our people, us, us inviting other folks is how that group of people showed up on our campuses, which is really, for us, how we've earned the influence in the Midlands. And that's, that's who we want to be. We want to be about us representing Jesus in our neighborhoods, workplaces, and so forth, and inviting people when that's the right play. When it's not, hopefully we take them banana bread or, or, or go grieve with them on a really bad day. We really hope that we would be the voices in our radius. So thank you for many of you that have done that and perhaps invited somebody on this Sunday. One of the things that I got to see from my view, which you haven't, so I'll share, share it with you. I got to watch Radius Carolina, our smallest and youngest campus, try to figure out how to do Easter. I don't know if y'all know this, but younger people in their 20s generally go home to see mama on Easter. So they were trying to figure it out. So they came up with some innovative ideas for Easter. And they had this great group of folks show up on Easter night down there, which included a taco night over at, uh, over at John Ross and Emily's home, which I, I, that's who we are. We, we are a church that wants to innovate and find a way to reach folks. And they presently at Radius Carolina are working on how do we reach Generation Z? How do we reach Generation Z that wouldn't normally come on a Sunday morning? How do we get them to be here with us so that they can hear about Jesus? Really fun part about 
uh, Easter this year. Another great part for me at Easter, if you, uh, some of y'all know Centerville has been blowing up uh, as far as attendance goes. And our executive pastor, who you probably don't even know, his name's Jerry Dominic, and, and uh, he doesn't care that you know him, but he, he just gets after it. We, we figured out we weren't going to have near enough space for Centerville for Easter or for the fall. And so he came up with a way to uh, add 150 plus seats to the sanctuary. It only cost us uh, only $100,000. We had hundreds and hundreds, I think it was over 400 hours of man time put in to rearrange everything in there so that it would work out. And Easter, it was just it was this beautiful time. Almost a couple thousand people showed up at Radius Centerville. If you're part of this family, and we're celebrating all that together, that's something I get to see, you don't always get to see, this group of men that went over there and just busted it for really four weeks on end to expand that sanctuary and not spend a ton of money per seat. And we were able to uh, open up the doors without any fear of running out of space, and yet it, still, it was still slammed a couple services, and lots of folks got to hear the gospel. So thank you. Thank you all for what we're doing together. 49 baptisms. I imagine you picked up on that, that that um, is really more important than how many folks were showed up on Easter. So it was fun for us this year. This is the first year we've done it. We plan on doing it in the future to all campuses, do a baptism the Sunday after Easter. It just recenters us for what we are all about. When we think U times two, we don't really think attendance. We think about discipleship. We think about you knowing your neighbor. I got to witness some amazing baptisms, as I'm sure you did. White Knoll led the way with 16 baptisms since 2023, so they have the most in this year. On, uh, on, on Baptism Sunday, I was at Lexington. I got to see a father baptize his son, which is absolutely who we are, passing the good news along to our children. I got to see an uncle baptize his nephew, which was beautiful. Um, I got to see a 97-year-old father stand with his 60-ish, I, I won't disclose her age, uh, daughter as she was baptized for the first time. I got to see a neighbor baptize her neighbor um, after leading her to Christ. I'm, I'm telling you, if you want a radius story, that is the, that's the killer radius story. And, and many, many more, as you saw. So for us, it's cool to have 49 baptisms, but it's even more exciting to think about how they came, which was through you, through the partners at Radius, loving their Radius, and sharing the good news with others. So, so thank you. That's a celebration for us all. However, when I really kind of try to evaluate the health of Radius and where we are, I always look at a different number. The number that I care most about is, is how do we pray? And men at all campuses, I want you to hear this. I, I particularly define our strength as a church by how the men pray. Ladies, you guys generally lead the way to pray, so I often look to see how the men are praying because it really tells who, who we are. And so I do. I, wa I want you to put it on your calendar for May the 3rd. We're going to get together and pray. It's going to be a great time that night, but, but it's really a moment for you to take a step forward if you've yet to learn how to pray. We're going to take the next six weeks, including today, and we're going to teach on prayer. <laughs> that means six times 30 for uh, 
some of the churches, 40 for some of the other churches. That's how many minutes we're going to talk about prayer. But really the way to learn to pray is to pray and really to pray out loud with other people. So for a few minutes today, I, I'm going to jump into uh, Matthew chapter 6 and, and allow Jesus to teach us a little bit about prayer. And then over the coming weeks, we'll spend a ton of time talking about prayer. Let me, let me do that thing right now and pray with you. Father, it's always weird. Starting off an all-radius Sunday because we talk about ourselves a lot for the first five or seven minutes. Always glad to get to this point where I'm just talking to you. Thank you, Father, for the influence that you've given Radius over its 20 years now almost of existence. Um, thank you for the souls that have been saved through your work, through our people here at Radius over those years. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for the many stories I've heard about men and women learning to pray here. And Lord, you, you know us. You know we're not great at this. You were patient with your disciples 2,000 years ago. We're thankful that you've been patient with us. But we do want to grow. We want to learn how to pray. We want to want to want to pray, Lord. So help us in these coming weeks as we try to learn this together. We pray for your patience, but we also pray that you'd be a great teacher, that you'd use me and, and other voices as we teach these passages to bring them to life. But really, you're the ultimate teacher, Holy Spirit, so we pray that you would land it and create this conviction and hunger inside of us to want to speak to you and to want to seek your direction. Pray all these things in your great name, Jesus. Amen. And so for 10 weeks at the beginning of the year, we, we did something. We called it the Red Letter Podcast. It's actually, and the, many folks call it the Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pauses. Ah, it seems like it's right where it's supposed to be. He breaks away from a long section, moving us to repentance, like examining ourselves and even our sin and, and bringing it before the Lord. And then he teaches his disciples how to pray. Some of you know the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you're not, you don't even know Jesus yet, but you know the Lord's Prayer. It, the Lord's Prayer is right there, and he teaches how to pray over the next five or six weeks, we are going to walk through the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to teach you a very simple acrostic, which captures four things you can do as you pray. For it, it, and the acrostic is A-C-T-S, Acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and a massive word, supplication, which basically means to ask. We'll walk you through one of those each Sunday. We're going to practice it. We're going to, we're going to work on learning how to pray. Let's be straight. Like, in our culture, especially men in the room, like it is very rare to see a man pray out loud, even in his own home. It's just this thing that's become really awkward. Uh, one of our very favorite things at Radius is to hear a wife or a child say, I just heard my dad or my husband pray out loud for the first time. We hope that that happens over the course of this series. We really believe that it defines our own health as a church and it certainly speaks to your health as a man who loves Jesus. So we decided, we, we titled all those red letter podcasts, 
uh, series. We use the word real at the beginning. Today seems like the appropriate title. Uh, Jeremy over at Lexington gave me this idea, Real Hungry. Like, like we're going to talk about fasting for a few minutes. Now you know why it's a video Sunday, because I got to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about fasting for a few minutes, and I just want you to consider it as a possibility for yourself. I'll read to you what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 6. He's just, the Lord's prayer is just completed. He's coached them on how to pray and how not to pray. And now he's going to address this idea of fasting, which I'll explain here in just a second. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I'll tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice that you're fasting except for the Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Not a real complicated passage. You might wonder what fasting is. I mean, it's kind of popular these days. I mean, it's a dietary plan often to fast a certain amount of the day. So you got all these things that are produced out there. But throughout history and certainly in the church, and in the Old Testament, folks would fast in a variety of ways, um, which just simply means not eating food, often for a full day, sometimes for three days or seven days, or you even see some for 40 days in the Bible. Fasting, you do drink water, you don't drink Mountain Dew, right? Like that could be really unhealthy. But it's basically, in our case, we're talking about taking 24 hours from from a meal on Sunday afternoon, evening to a meal on I mean, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Tuesday afternoon, evening to a meal on Wednesday afternoon, evening. And basically 24 hours without food, you, you drink water in, in the process. And it's crazy what that does to your body and to your mind. And so Jesus is teaching these guys how to fast. And let me just make it really clear right out the gate. He says, when you fast, he says it twice at the beginning of verse 16 and 17. So there's this assumption that they are going to fast, that it's going to be a part of their life. There's, there's one passage in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus says they'll fast after I leave. So the assumption is that they're not fasting while Jesus was walking the earth, but that he would, they would, we, the disciples of Jesus, would fast after he leaves. We would go seasons without eating. Why? Why would, why would we skip days of eating? What kind of sermon is this where the dude's going to ask me for three days in May not to eat for 24 hours? Well, the idea is really to express our hunger for God. Like it's, it's a really interesting thing when you fast. It's, it's painful in so many ways. As a matter of fact, in the passage, he warns them immediately because of the pain. In such a strange way, you can become proud of something like not eating. So the hypocrites back in the day, they would fast. They wanted to tell everybody because what did they want? They wanted the praise of men. But Jesus is saying, no, when you fast, it's about a hunger for God. It's about what God thinks, not what men think. And so do it in private, he says. Don't tell everybody about it. Like you're supposed to fast because you're trying to position yourself before God. You're telling God that you're hungry for him. It's interesting in the passage, I I really have never noticed this before. He actually uses that word, noticed. He says that uh, in verse 18, then no one will notice that you are fasting except for your father. So the father notices when you fast. Shuford down at Southside loves to say, uh, I see you. 
this is one of those moments when uh, it's just shocking that the Father sees us, right? By the way, man, Southside's been going to two services. It's going great for the rest of our church. They're here same as Saluda. They've gone to two services. It's hard. It's difficult. But lots of good stuff is happening, and Trey's doing a great job leading into that. R- right here in this passage, this is one of those moments where Shuford says, I see you. God's saying to us, I see you when you fast. It, it can't be missed. had a um, conversation with a friend of mine uh, just today. And uh, she said that fasting has never been awesome for her. I was telling how painful it is for me. And she was saying she's never really felt closer to God over a 24-hour period when she was fasting. And I I have to kind of agree with her. Like, I, I have never had, like, this amazing day without eating. But when you read the passage and you think about what God, God is teaching through Jesus in this moment, right? He, he's actually saying, no, it's, it's really not about how we feel or what we get. It's this moment of showing to God and recentering ourselves that we're hungry for God. All day long when I fast, I have to battle my mind to pray because all I'm thinking about is is when are we going to the amphitheater and did Russell make brisket again, right? Like all that's, that's just dominating my mind. And I have to fight it off and recenter myself to God. So my prayer time is not awesome, but the stress of it, the stress of how much food means to me actually shows me a little bit about whether I'm hungry for God or not. It's interesting. The passage ends with this. It says, and our Father who sees everything will reward you. He actually connects a reward to fasting. So for some of y'all that are like me that are just got this stubborn streak that is long, right? And whenever you ask to do something, you kind of can come up with 27 ways why not to. Just challenge you on this one. This isn't me talking. This is Jesus talking. He's saying there's this reward connected to those that would discipline their body to force themselves to hunger for God. What's the reward? Could it be financial? I guess it could be. Could it be justice in some sense? It could be, but I mean, in context, you'd have, to, you'd have to assume that it ties back to the passage previous where Jesus is pushing everybody to repent. So perhaps like wrestling with the grip that food has on your life, that pleasure has on your life, it might expose some other pleasure. You might be able to see your sin in a way you never have before. And you're like, why would I want to do that? Because that sets you free. Because as God takes his view on us, he's preparing us for eternity with him. He, he wants to set you free for these years you have here on this earth, but he also is preparing you to meet him one day. He wants to save you from wasting your life. He knows what's valuable, what's ultimately valuable. So when we stress ourselves with, man, what kind of salad I'm having at Kava today or what kind of hash browns I'm having at Waffle House next week, like when we stress ourselves with that all the time, he wants to remind us, hey, there's stuff that's more important than that. And it's the food that I offer, the food that God offers. I had a pastor friend I spent some time with this week. And he said he started to challenge his folks to give financially more than they spend on entertainment. So he says, take your Internet bill, your uh, TV bill, and your phone bill, combine them, 
and just and give more than that. For some of y'all that have been given your whole life, that seems ridiculous. For some of y'all that haven't, it's this great question of like, what's more important to you? Like the things that God are doing, do you show that with your finances? I did the math on mine. I got $11 on Amazon, 64 for YouTube. YouTube's the way I go. 112, I know I'm getting robbed, but I have no other options on, on uh, my uh, internet. 2.30, I think, with T-Mobile, something like that. I've got too many kids, as you know, so that's 4.17. That's five grand a year I spend on, I know, communication, right? Or, but on entertainment, on connection. It's a great question to go. Like, am I willing to part with more money? Great question for you. If you're kind of new to following Jesus, who are you really following? You know, if, if your finances are going toward this, but... You state that you're really excited about him. This is a great question. And what fasting does is just checks all that. It makes us answer this question of like, am I wasting my life? Am I spending all my money on this when really I believe in my heart that eternity and what Jesus is doing on this planet is the most important? But, but the facts don't support that I believe that. There's a group of men in Acts that did not want to waste their lives. By Acts chapter 13, these five men got together to pray and fast and worship. I love the combination of those three. I'll read you a little bit. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch, Antioch was a town in Syria, where Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipopus, and Saul. So just to give you uh, the lineup, that's two black guys, two Jews, and one white guy. It's really cool how so fast in the early church, race just became unimportant. The folks were just so excited about Jesus and wanted to worship. The style of worship wasn't so important. They wanted to be together. They wanted to be together with other folks and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, one day as these men were worshiping, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit and they went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then they sailed to the island of Cyprus. It's pretty cool, interesting moment in the very earliest parts of the church. These five guys get together and pray. And then the Holy Spirit gives them very clear direction. You can't read this passage and not think that the five of them got together on purpose to ask the Lord, what do you want us to do next? Like, where do you want us to go next? So they worship and they pray and they fasted. It seems like they're asking him for clear direction. A couple things that jump off the page to me, like, 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 Number one, this is a New Testament thing. This is after Jesus has died and buried, risen and ascended, and they're fasting for direction. So it's, so it's a New Testament thing. Uh, number two, it's done in a group, so it's okay if somebody knows that you're fasting. Like, like you shouldn't be doing it for them to know it, but this group, they all know that each other has fasted. They're actually, Luke's writing it down in Acts that they fasted. It's not wrong for somebody to know that you're fasting. It's just wrong if that's why you're doing it. For them to know that you're fasting. And then what's also really cool is that they're praying for a special guidance from the Holy Spirit. Just Friday night, 
the elders and our executive team here at Radius, we got together and uh, spent four or five hours um, strategizing for the future. That time always starts with a season of prayer. We pr try to maintain prayer throughout the four or five hours. And really what we're, we're hoping for Pray May is that you and I, we partner in this prayer time and the Lord will direct us going forward. That's exactly what these guys were doing then. What if they had not worshiped, fasted, and prayed? Like, these five guys got together wanting to know what God was going to do next. They weren't asking the question of how to make everybody happy. They were concerned about the world. And the Holy Spirit took two of the guys, they're two of their very best, and he sent them. And they blessed it as they prayed over them. <laughs> Had they not fasted and prayed, like Paul's first missionary journey, which is a good portion of the book of Acts, his second, third, fourth, 13 books in the New Testament that Paul wrote. We, I don't know what we have. Those God would have got his business done with or without these guys. But because they're willing to fast, pray, and worship, they got to participate in the greatest missionary journeys of all time, which really set the stage for me and you to know Jesus, even today. So that's what we like doing. We like to pause in May, fast, pray, and worship and see how the Lord would lead us. Maybe some of you heard about the Promise Keepers. Started in 1990. Uh, it was this great movement that kind of worked its way across the United States. Started with 72 men in Colorado Springs, taking Wednesdays and fasting and praying. And that's really where it was birthed. And hundreds of thousands of men were moved by Promise Keeper uh, gatherings and stadiums all over our country. That story goes on and on. Our own story. Uh, Centerville last Easter, if you were here prior to that at Radius, just ought to make you smile because, because that pray may, we fasted and prayed and worshiped and waited on God. We really thought we were supposed to go somewhere else, and it became just abundantly clear to us that we were supposed to go. It was called Rocky Creek at the time, right? And now it's Centerville. And that all came out of a season of prayer and fasting, and the Lord's blessed it immensely. Southside, downtown, you may not know this, but there was a season where our elders, just the five of us, we were praying about an opportunity to get downtown and what that would look at. We looked at a couple other buildings. We couldn't afford them. We couldn't make that move. And then the Southside folks that were there, they were praying as well what to do with their building, and those two prayers met. And, uh, man, Southside's blowing up as well down there. Uh, housing two churches and lots of folks being influenced for the gospel. So that's what we do. In May at, at Radius, we want to, we'll worship. When you come to the amphitheater, there's going to be a lot of food. So you can look forward to that. I know Shuford and, and Trey, they're our leading chefs. Uh, over here at Lexington, we're pulling out Russell because he's the best chef here, and he's going to break out the, the brisket. Like, we'll have a lot of fun with food. Hudson's bringing in sides. We're going to have a blast with the food, but then we're going to spend a bunch of time worshiping. We're going to focus on that first letter A, adoration, and we're going to sing, and we're going to worship the Lord. And then, maybe you've never done this before, but we're going to gather in little groups, and we're going to pray out loud to the Lord. We'll guide you through it. It won't be as stressful as it may sound for many. It's the very best thing we do all year. It is for me. So I can't wait to see you there. Put that on your calendar. May 3rd, right? There's a cook-off. 
Maloney, who knows what he will bring, right? Last, last year, uh, anyway, we'll leave that out. But uh, it, it should be a, a great time. And then on the 10th and the 17th, every campus will host a prayer time of its own. It's not a more important time of the year for us. As we ask the Lord to direct us and we ask him individually to cause us to hunger for God. Let me give you a little coaching just as I wrap up. If you've never fasted before, start small, right? So maybe even this Wednesday. This Wednesday, you might want to skip lunch or, or skip breakfast. It's like just skip one meal before you skip two meals. If you've never fasted before, when you get to May 3rd, you may want to drink juice instead of water during the day. We do not want you passing out on the job site, right? Like, hey, and if you're, if you're working a hard job with your hands and you're out in the heat, then, then go Gatorade. Like, don't, don't overstress this thing, but come up with a way where it's healthy for you to go forward during the course of that day. Plan what you're going to do during that time when you're not eating. So, again, to be clear, I'm asking you to eat supper Tuesday night. If you're a partner, like I'm straight up asking you, eat supper Tuesday night and don't eat again until we get together on Wednesday night. So you got breakfast and lunch. Plan what you're going to do during that time. Like, don't get more work done during that time. For some of y'all, I know you got very limited time to eat on your job. So if it's 10 minutes, is it 15 minutes, then how are you going to handle that? Maybe you want to take, take some scripture to read. Maybe you want to take a, a list of people to pray for. Maybe you got your domino with you. You want to pray for the folks that you've been hoping that, that would come to Christ. And the same with breakfast. Those days, like, if you, <laughs> if you got one of them jobs where you get an hour and a half, then plan the hour and a half. Like, what are you going to do with those two hours on that day. Have a plan. I promise you. you don't have a plan, something else will take that time. Consider your fasting, how it's going to affect others, right? Like the scripture clearly teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So, so if you plan ahead, like so you're going to have to cancel that lunch that was planned for the third on Wednesday. Go ahead and plan ahead. Keep the Keep the calendar free so you won't throw some, something off. If something else is going on, look, just flex. It's, 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 it's important that we do this together, but at the same time, it's important that we take care of people around us. If you must, and like you've got some kind of eating issue that you need to be careful with, then fast from your phone. <laughs> for some of you, food be way easier than that. But, but put an airplane, airplane mode for the day and see how that goes. Pick something else that would stress you in a way that would make you want to hunger more for God. And then finally, hey, that day, uh, man, we're going to show up at the amphitheater and we're going to be laughing and, and probably ready to fight to get to the front of the line, right? Like that's, that's going to be the move. But during the course of those 24 hours, especially once you wake up in the morning, fight to make your mind go toward God. That's it. All, it's amazing how the enemy will take that little bit of space, your need to eat, and that little bit of time and start working you with all the worries of the world, with all the complaints that you could possibly come up with. You're going to turn into Johnny Cochran on why you should eat today. You have a thousand arguments. So you just got to discipline your mind, fight for it to speak to God. Look forward to doing it with you. It's really fun for all of our campuses to do it together on the 3rd. Can't wait to see you then. Let me pray for us. Strange thing to ask, Lord. But you ask it, and so we want to follow through on it. Uh, help us. Many of us in our six different rooms right now are deciding whether we uh, 
we really want to follow through with this idea of fasting. So, Holy Spirit, give us courage. Help us commit even now to uh, blocking those days out. Pray for each of us as we get ready for May that uh, we would take each of those days. Remind us during the course of the day to pray. Uh, Give us the courage to pray with our, our spouses or with a friend every one of those days. Lord, we got this little guide we put together. You know it. Help us pray through where you want us to go. We want to know what you want. The number's really fun that I got to throw out at the beginning of this deal, but at the end of the day, Lord, we want to be obedient to you, so please direct us. Show us where you want us to go. And we pledge, partners, I'm asking with you, like we pledge to do what you ask. We want to obey you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.